the church fathers and the medievals, they saw in the man born blind whom Jesus healed as sort of an image or an allegory for all of humanity. Jesus sort of slowly brings this man to full faith in him, and then at the end he says, I do believe, Lord, and he worships him. Likewise, humanity was blinded by sin. One of the things you will notice after the book of, in the book of Genesis, after the fall, is that Adam and Eve, after they have sinned, there is sort of this blindness, there is this malice, there is this error, which has now entered the world because of sin. Humanity had been blinded by their sins, and now we were caught sort of groping around in the darkness, causing all sorts of trouble. We had been cast out of paradise, cast out of the light of God into the darkness. And so God slowly began to restore the sight of humanity. And he did this first, we see, with Abraham. He teaches Abraham to call upon the name of the Lord, and he teaches Abraham to have faith in God, to abandon himself to the will of God and to divine providence when he calls him out of his country. Next, the Lord gives the law to Moses. And as Paul the Apostle says, the law was extraordinarily important because it opened our eyes to sin. Through the law, we learned what sin was, but we also learned that we were unable to avoid sin. The law made, us known, made sin known to us, but it did not give us the strength to overcome sin. And so we were caught with a burdened conscience. Then, in the fullness of time, the true light which enlightens every man and which would fully heal us, our Lord Jesus Christ comes into the world. And he sort of healed the blindness of sin in a few ways. The first was by his example. As Peter says in his epistle, Christ left for us an example so that we may follow in his footsteps. And this is why the saints in the days of old would study the gospel and would consume the gospel so that they were so familiar with Christ that they could imitate Christ in their daily lives. They became one with him in the way they thought about things and the way they acted. Christ also healed the blindness of sin by his words. He had the words of everlasting life. And so he instructed his disciples and he instructs us and sort of enlightens us and enlightens our intellect. But most of all, Christ gave us grace. As John says, the law came through Moses, the law which taught us what sin was, but did not give us the strength to avoid sin. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that is what sets him apart from the law. Christ tells us the way we should behave. Christ tells us what we should avoid. But then Jesus Christ has the second person of the Trinity, has the Son of God, gives us the grace to avoid sin. And he gives us the grace to turn back to the Lord. And he gives us the grace to enter once again into the kingdom of heaven. So now we no longer know, just know what sin is. We also have the grace to overcome it. The channel then, if Christ is sort of the source of grace, which he is, the channels by which we receive this grace are the sacraments established by Christ. I know I've mentioned it before, but it's always worth reminding, is that the same Jesus Christ who 2,000 years ago walked along the Sea of Galilee, who taught, who fed the crowds, who healed, now 
encounters us through his sacraments. He gives us grace through his sacraments. The sacraments are like streams of water that feed us, that refresh us, that nourish us. And so as Christians, we have to plant ourselves near the sacraments. One of the first things which, Christ do, which Satan does when he's trying to steal a soul from Christ is he will carve them away from the sacraments. He knows that if he can carve a soul away from the sacrament, if he can convince them that they don't need to confess their sins, if he can convince them not to go to Mass, if he can convince them not to get married in the church, if he can convince them in the final moments of their life not to be anointed and not to confess their sins, then he has sort of uprooted the soul. It's like an army without its supply lines. It's like a tree without streams of water. It just withers and dies. He does the same things to priests. When priests get in trouble, there's almost always two things which happen. First is they stop praying. They stop praying the liturgy of the hours, which they are mandated to pray throughout the day. And the second thing which Satan does is he makes the sacraments feel like a burden to the priest. He gets the priest to just go through the motions in the confessional and at mass because he knows once he carves the priest away from those channels of grace, from the sacraments, the priest will wither and die. And so what we must do then is we must go to Christ and we must be healed of our blindness by following those three things. We must look, read the Gospels early and often so that we hear the words of Christ in our own life. So we give a chance for the words of Christ to penetrate our hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We must look to Christ as the example in all things, but then we must be relentless about receiving the sacraments. We should confess our sins early and often. We should receive the Eucharist as much as we can. In the moments of death, we should ask to be anointed. We should make one last confession and receive our Lord in holy viaticum, food for the journey. In this way, we stay close to Christ. We stay close to those channels of grace. And we stay close to the one who can heal us of sin and who gives us the grace to overcome our sins.